Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Luck, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to remind you about one of our upcoming events. On April 28th and 29th, we'll be hosting the Christ-Centered Exposition Conference at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Wake Forest, North Carolina. This year's conference will be looking at the Book of Jonah. We're going to have a great time of worship, uh, preaching, and we'll even have breakout sessions as well. Uh, This event is for pastors, for teachers, for students of the Bible. So if that's you, uh, visit conference2023.eventbrite.com. That's conference2023.eventbrite.com and register today. I'm joined today by a dear friend and colleague here at Southeastern, uh, Dr. Walter Strickland. Dr. Strickland serves as Assistant Professor of Systematic and Contextual Theology at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he has contributed to, edited, and authored several books in the areas of theology. And most importantly, he and his family are dear friends of the Lock Flock. And so we're so grateful for uh, for Dr. Strickland and his ministry here at Southeastern, and we're so glad to have you here in the studio today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's It's a joy to be here. All right. So we're going to be talking today about really a a theology of preaching. Um, It's not something that a lot of people talk about. It's not something that a lot of people think about. And yet it really is foundational to our understanding of preaching and why we preach and and even how we preach. So let's get the conversation started uh, by asking what does theological uh, preaching look like? Uh, Why is it important for pastors to have a a good theology of preaching? That's a good question. And and for me, as a a theologian dealing with more of the systematic uh, sort of loci or doctrines of theology, uh, I I sort of took the liberty of answering that question in a way that uh, I found to be a lot of fun. So if, if I start thinking about theology and preaching, we have to have a good theology proper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and for me, as we're talking about preaching and exegetical preaching in particular, we have to talk about the God and his text. Yeah. So when we talk about the text, when the text speaks, we have to understand that God is speaking as well. And so the whole of scripture is is given to us what we need for life and godliness. And so these things like theology proper and then God's word begin to sort of come together And these human authors, they have conveyed to us the very words of God. And so this is is the the great joy of preaching when we understand that we have the very words of God in our hand and we're trying to expose the meaning of those stories and those letters and the the literature to the hearers. And so um, because of all this, I've, I've mentioned so far, our understanding of God and how God speaks through Scripture, it kind of tips its hand to the method of exegetical preaching, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, we, if we're trying to convey who God is and then uh, the, God's meaning in Scripture, uh, it, just, it just follows that we walk through books of the Bible, 
teaching people how to read the Bible as we are actually expounding it in the pulpit. So, I mean, that's even just to start off with like theology proper. We can go through anthropo- anthropology. We can go through pneumatology, Christology, yeah. eschatology. Yeah. But those are just some of the things that I've been thinking through as I've thought about a theology of preaching. I know that's uh, it might be a little bit far fetched from those who are you know studying that as a discipline. Yeah. But at the same time, as a theologian, I thought I'd bring my own flair to it. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, I, I teach Bible exposition mm-hmm. in in the um, both on the college and the seminary levels, and we have a, a, a part in Bible exposition one where we talk about the structure of the text, and we're just looking at the text. I'll, I'll take a, a paragraph from an epistle, and I'll lay it out, and I'll break it down phrase by phrase, clause by clause, just kind of lay it out. And then we'll we'll work through the text and, and just talk about the relationships between the different lines. Mm-hmm. And as we do so, I'll put it up on the screen and I'll show them. And then we go from the structure of the text to the outline of the text. And so, and I and I tell them, I'm like, we are, we just did it. <laughs> we just we just outlined the text. We're just, all we're doing is we're just putting words to what we've to what we're recognizing. And it was amazing when we were done with that whole process that we just stepped back and I said, now look. And they're looking at it, and I could tell some folks that were starting to get a little antsy because they realized, oh my goodness, I have. I've got something here, you know. That exactly. I I see what 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 the author is saying. I, I I can follow his train of thought, and now all of a sudden, there you could just tell. And I told them, I said, what you are feeling right now is what I feel almost weekly when it comes to sermon prep. Is I'm sitting back and I'm looking, and I, and, it, and you just something. There's like a there's like a corner that you turn, where you realize, I know what God's saying here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's 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 such a great feeling too. And it, yeah. and it's because we don't have to be over the top innovators in mm-hmm. the pulpit. Exactly. We have a very old message that we're just trying to convey to people today. Yeah. And so if you're one of those preachers that thinks that puts all this pressure on yourself to think that you have to go wow your people. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're not trying to do yeah. as far as wow them with our own um creativity mm-hmm. and prowess. And what we don't want people to do is to get into uh, the, the the preaching moment with us, and for them to say, "Man, I have no idea where they got that from." Yeah, in the text, <laughs> but it was just wow. Yeah. No, what we want to do is that as we are preaching the word, it should be easy for people to pick up on our Bible study principles and mm-hmm. methods, mm-hmm. so that they that they then can replicate those in their own devotional lives. Yeah. And so part of the part of the homiletical task, the preaching task is that we are teaching our people how to read the scripture. And so as you're, as you're doing your, your outline mm-hmm. and as you're uh, understanding, as you're saying in your class, the structure of the text and how, those, how the structure rel- relates to each other and the meaning that we're uh, getting from all those, um, those cues in the text, it should be very sort of natural for the structure of our preaching yeah. uh, to bubble up from the very words of God. Yeah. And, so, and, and, that's, and that's the joy of... Uh, that, that causes that smile on mm-hmm. our face when it's like we turn the corner and we see it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, is it possible for sermons to be too heavy with theology? I mean, could <laughs> could could you could is 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 there a, such a thing as too much in a message? So, uh, yes and no. 
I, I think I think you, you can be so theological and in the sort of systematic theological sort of way that you just get divorced from the text very quickly. Mm-hmm. And as we just said, you know, one of the the joy of being able to walk through the text is to stay close to it. And 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 I think that um, sometimes there's tensions in the text mm-hmm. that systematic theology in particular tries to do away with. But I think that those tensions are there for us to wrestle with, mm-hmm. because life, as we know it, is full of different kinds of tensions, uh, and part of the Christian life is living within those wisely, yeah. uh, according to the Scriptures themselves. And so I think, yeah, we, we can be too theological at some places, um, but I, I do think that um, our preaching can be theological for sure. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'll give a, an example of a of a message I preached at my own church uh, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were in Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 40. Uh, The Sadducees come to Jesus trying to trick him uh, about theological questions about the resurrection. Um, And so what what I ended up doing is I I gave like a theology of marriage in there because it would help the, the listeners have a better understanding of that particular text. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, we did theology. Yes, I was bringing in texts that were outside of our immediate text, mm-hmm. but it was for the purpose of them understanding that text in particular and to understand something that's often being attacked in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so uh, can we be too theological? And we just sort of go on this bender of, uh, <laughs> you know, just really exegeting uh, Wayne Grudem or Miller Erickson or Michael Horton or Michael Bird, fill in your blank. Yeah. Uh, yes, we can really certainly run off and do that. And the people are left with like, but what about the Bible? Yeah. Uh, what about this text that we read and things like that? But I think there's also certainly a place for us to say, you know what? Let's sort of fill out what we're seeing tidbits of in the text so we have a more fully orbed understanding of this particular issue for ourselves as believers so we can live life, but also to understand that text even more fully. Yeah. You know, I, I preached a, a couple Sundays ago uh, at, a, at a church about an hour from the campus here, and and the message was on uh, Matthew, oh, sorry, Mark 10, uh, yeah. 35 to 45, where, where James and John come over to Jesus and, and they say, okay, Lord, whatever we ask of you, uh, we want you to do it for us, <laughs> which by the way, is bold. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's amazing uh, that they would that they would do that. And Jesus goes with it. He's like, okay, you know, tell me what do you want? And they say, okay, so here's what we want. We want we want uh, thrones. They don't have to be like as big as your throne, just like this little, you know, kind of mini thrones. But but we want one on the right side and one on the left side. We we want to sit on your right and on your left in your glory. Well, there are theological presuppositions in there uh, that that I had to bring out for the people. You know, one, they understand that Jesus is the Christ. Two, they understand that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David. Uh, they understand that he is going to sit in glory mm-hmm. at the end of days and all of that. Their problem, of course, is their uh, selfish presuppositions, which is, okay, so when you do so, we want to be in the photo, right? We we want to we want to sit on one side and sit on the other side mm-hmm. and everything, and we want we want to we want a piece of the pie so that when people are taking you know photos of you or whatever, we can kind of photo bomb and kind of jump in and go, that's us, you know? Yeah, we're sitting right next to Jesus. We've got the high, we've got much higher seats than the rest of the disciples, you know, and mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. And so Jesus uh, answers it actually in a very theological way. He says, "Are you able to drink from the cup?" you know, with which I'm going to drink? Mm-hmm. And are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to be baptized? 
And he's saying here and connecting that this authority uh, that, that I'm going to have, this glory that I'm going to have comes through suffering, mm-hmm. which, is, which is deep Christology here that they don't get. You know, which is why they so quick and rather flippantly go, yeah, sure, we can do that, <laughs> which is amazing. But then after that, uh, when the disciples and the rest of the disciples, you know, this says they're indignant with them, with them, you know, they're just like, you know, oh, show offs, you know, and all that. Then he goes into anthropology and he says, you know, that the Gentiles love to lord their power and their authority over others and, mm-hmm. and, and so on. He's just dealing with, you know, total depravity, dealing with anthropology there. This is the way of man. You know, we take, you know, power and authority and all that. and We love to abuse it. We love to use it to get that other guy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so on. And then he says rather emphatically, not so with you, but rather whoever wishes to be great ought to become a servant you know, and, and then he later on says even a slave of all. And then he connects it again to Christology. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So there are all kinds of theological categories in what looks like a simple story. <laughs> it's just a simple story. And yet it's loaded with theology. It's it's good to go, what are the pre- the kind of the theological presuppositions that are going on in this text, you know? And then also thinking, which of those categories are, um, are well-known and well-developed among my people? Mm-hmm. And there you have that sense, I think, where, where you can um, – uh, a sense that, that can kind of guard and protect you from overdoing it. You know, they don't need all the theological categories in one sermon, <laughs> kind of to your point. They just need the ones that are necessary for understanding this text and what are kind of at play uh, in this text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And and for the for the pastor who loves to theologize and to do all that, uh, this is what I end up doing. I just I just I I write a full manuscript for when I preach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't read it word for word in the pulpit necessarily because I just sort of internalize it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I end up doing, even on that Luke twenty passage about the resurrection. I had this whole sort of uh, excursus on eschatology that I wrote into the sermon, but I ended up putting, I highlighted it eventually, and I put these like strike through line. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I was able to write it out, mm-hmm. write myself to understanding, but like the people, they didn't need to hear all of that. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, if, if you want to do that, then amen, great. And then what I found is that later in different environments, those, Comments are actually very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that there's there's some churches that that might have like a like a Bible study throughout the week uh, that might be sermon based, where uh, you know pastors can get a theme or a concept from Sunday's sermon and unpack it further. That could be like fodder for those kinds of things. And so there's there's so don't don't stifle that. Mm-hmm. But I'll but also you don't have to use all either. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's such a great point. So so think about. Um, in in the Bible, you'll you'll have these categories of preaching, but then you also have these categories uh, the the category of teaching. Hmm. And so there's some that will look at theology and they'll say, well, that's not really in the category of preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the preaching moment, I've I've got to I've got to you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to bog people down with all these theological. Mm-hmm you know, all this theological discussion. I'll save that for the teaching times, you know, or, or, or something like that. What, what do you say about that? You know, can is it possible that 
that you that that having that te- all that teaching content could kind of weigh down the preaching moment so that it's it's not really more it's not really preaching anymore now you're just lecturing <laughs> yeah yeah so one one of the distinguishing i mean and there's probably, there's more than this for sure but one of the distinguishing uh concepts for me and the sort of teaching moment and for me I'll even take like a like my theology class versus like a pulpit somewhere yeah uh, is really that you know preaching is more doxological like mm-hmm. more worshipful in nature it's within it's couched within a you know the 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 singing of the gospel it's mm-hmm. couched within uh remembering Christ with the with the elements perhaps even baptism uh that day and so th- there's a there's a there's a packaging around it that does make it more worshipful in in tone uplifting the saints to continue to walk in faithfulness throughout the week but if if we're worshiping even through the preached word of god but there's no theology then what are we actually worshiping mm. Mm-hmm. So we can't so the more accurately we understand the God that we are seeing in the scripture and hearing about, the more appropriately we can worship our God. Yeah. yeah. And so so for me, so so there so I I guess the um the the dichotomy between sort of a, a teaching sort of lecture style moment and the preaching moment is 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 really uh, that we're I'm I'm just trying to encourage people to live wisely in those moments, but that's a theological endeavor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know in the in the preaching moment I'm intentionally trying to sort of uh, give theological and biblical integration to life in yeah. those moments, uh, trying to apply the text to the people that are sitting before me, and this is why I think I'm a more effective preacher at my own church than any other church in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this, the, somebody else's stage can be bigger, their lights can be nicer, their band can be better, their stage can be taller, whatever it is. But I know the people at my church. Mm-hmm. I've sat and cried with them. I've been in the delivery room when ba- not really the baby's been born. I've been in the hospital yeah. <laughs> when babies have been born. <laughs> I've, right. I've, I've, been, I've been in the waiting room as heart surgeries were being performed. We've, we've suffered long together. Mm-hmm. You know they they've cried with me when things have happened in my own family when I've lost grandparents and yeah. you know and when tragic things have happened for me and so we so being able to know the ways in which a particular text will strike your people and helping them to bring that to bear in the particulars of life is really I think what makes preaching so special. Yeah. Whereas in the lecturing moment, I, we're, we're talking about, you know, um, higher level things. We are trying to give um, very clear ways to integrate that theology into life. Mm-hmm. But there's a particularity that comes with a doing life together in the church environment that's so special and unique that I think if you want to hear, you know, me preach my best, you got to come to Mongo Day Church on Strickland Road in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I could come to your church and preach, but I, I, I'm not looking. I mean, there there are specific moments in a sermon that are for specific people, mm-hmm. even, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I will look them in the eye, and they will know. Yeah, like my pastor's talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, on the the, the week uh, that we, I preached on the resurrection through that passage in Luke, my one of my um, fellow elders, his mom died that week, mm. and I was talking about the hope of the resurrection. I was looking directly at him. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. this is this is the word of God for you. Yeah. And then yeah. there was a, a a large section in that sermon also on singleness, and in our eleven a.m. service, there's a there's a row of single girls, faithful, 
Mm-hmm. They're sitting right there. And I was looking in their eyes down the line mm-hmm. as I was saying, the essence of marriage is to come. You're not missing out on the essence of marriage. Mm-hmm. You're missing out on the sign mm-hmm. of marriage right now. Mm-hmm. But the essence of it that it's pointing to mm-hmm. is the, the the belonging of every person who's yeah. in Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're heir to. Yeah. And so, and I was looking directly at them. So all I have to say, as far as the the dichotomy between teaching and preaching, uh there, there's some differences, mm-hmm. but what I'll say is that preaching should not be devoid of theology. Yeah, yeah. or else, what are we doing? Right, 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 <laughs> right. I think of it like a like a soundboard, and you've got all the different uh, slides, you know, on the bottom of this mm-hmm. on the soundboard. Yeah, those different channels. Right, right, on your different channels, and you know, none of them are ever dialed all the way down to zero. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a balancing act, and I don't know if there's ever like a great. Uh, a definition where you say, "Okay, now I'm teaching." You know, uh, at least at least not not in, the, in how I approach teaching or even how I approach preaching. Certainly, there's there are going to be details, of course. You know, if I'm going to get into, like you had mentioned before, Grudem or or get into Erickson or or Michael Bird or any of these guys, uh, you know, and I'm I'm probably not going to bring them with me into the pulpit. Uh, that's something that I will definitely have in a classroom. But in terms of uh, the the content, you know, when we're looking at God, just as you said, I want people to to have a sense of His identity, to know who He is, you know. And so, I've in order to do that, I've got to describe Him. I've got to talk about Him, mm-hmm. you know. And I've got to talk about who He is. And in some cases, I've got to talk about who He's not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as the text you know uh, prompts that. And so, uh, I don't want people coming out of here. Uh, using the language in Ephesians 4, coming out of here with a love of God, but not necessarily any truth about God. I, I got to fill that reservoir. I got to fill that content so that as they hear about God, their hearts are stirred to to love him. And I think that's one of the, the beauties of preaching is that I'm not just stirring up, I'm not just giving you that content so that you have a, a full head, you know, of, of knowledge and all that. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that content to stir up your love for him, uh, that, that as you hear of him and as you encounter him in the scriptures, that you come out of there going, God is awesome. You know, <laughs> there is no yeah, one like yeah. our God, you know, and you know, so on. Yeah, and, and preaching is, is really a sustaining grace that God gives the people of God. The foolishness of preaching mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. carry us. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the the goal of the, the, the preaching moment is for people to walk faithfully unto Christ. Mm-hmm. And whatever they're, they're going to face on Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. Yeah. And so hopefully the Word of God will then enrich them in those moments. But um, the, the short-sighted, at least I'll say, goal of the classroom is to pass a test. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, granted, that's not my goal. I tell my students that I am equipping them by God's grace to be ambassadors for Christ wherever they'll go, you know, yeah. and then also that's within the, the Southeastern seminaries, you know, sort of being a great commission seminary, mm-hmm. you know, of, of you know, uh, having them serve the church to fulfill the great commission, you yeah. know. Yeah. So so there there's, there is that, That's but it's a little farther down the line. But my immediate goal is to have them understand who God is, and then even fix some of their misunderstandings of who God is as mm-hmm. well, <laughs> because that's not going to sustain them. Yeah. A God in their image is not going to help them out. Right, uh, right, right. But the more accurate that they, they know who this God is, they're able to understand how this God is going to work in their lives and carry them through Monday and yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you're going to have some folks over at, say, Imago Day, 
you know, um, appropriately uh, located on Strickland Road, and um, and 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 as you as you're encountering them, you'll probably see some faces where I mean, this just glossed over, mm-hmm. and they're they're what in the world are you talking about? Like, what are you what are you doing? I mean, you know, they're checking their watch, and you know, all of a sudden you see them pull out the smartphone, you know, and they start scroll, and and it, it, we have this this fear. I think a lot of of preachers, a lot of pastors have this fear that if we go to the deep end of the pool, mm-hmm. people are going to drown. You know, they 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 don't want all of that. They can't handle all of those things. You know, mm-hmm. if 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 they're going, if we're going to go in, we've got to, you know, we we've got to you know go easy on them. You know, uh, and 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 so on. And so you have some people that that would say, you know, don't don't give them it too much, you know, don't go too far, don't don't do all that because they just simply can't handle it. You know, you they're going to check out, they're going to get bored, you know, and and everything. They want to they want the five steps, you know, for for a healthy marriage, you know, or or, or something like that. Um why do you think that is? Like why do you think one we 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 underestimate what people can handle, you know, mm-hmm. why, why do you think that is? And, and maybe even, you know, as a corrective, like how, how do we deal with that? Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes we overestimate what they can handle because we overestimate ourselves mm-hmm. because we think, you know, I'm just that smart. And so only I'm the only person in the room that, that can handle this stuff. <laughs> and, and then, uh, but also at the same time, we do have people in the, in the room who are not trained sort of uh, theologian pastor mm-hmm. types. They're teachers, they're mm-hmm. lawyers, they're uh, welders, they're yeah. stay-at-home moms and things like that. So we have to strike a balance mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And so one of, one of the reasons why, I think the corrective, as we're saying, could be that we have to show them how this stuff is relevant. Mm. I, I think too often when those who are accustomed to um, you know, having these deep theological lectures, it's like, well, as you said, you know, it, they, they give you a fat head, but your heart is shriveling in the yeah. process. Yeah. You know, you you you're bringing your your cares and your burdens into the doors of the church, and you sit down in your pew or your chair, and you just want to weep at times. And then someone's going to sit here and throw a textbook at your head via a sermon, and then you're like, "But but what does it have to do with anything that I'm going through?" Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I think it's you know getting sort of deep into appropriately deep understanding again what they'll have to know to understand the text, what you know what will what understanding is necessary for your people to really drink deeply from the scriptures, but then uh, really showing them, okay, this is how it's relevant to what's going on day to day. And, and I think that is what's missing. And so I, I often tell my students, if, you, if, it's, if your sermon is like you're reading your exegesis paper, just giving the meaning and the significance of the text, or the, the, the meaning of the text, really, mm-hmm. and then diving into the Greek and then you know parsing your verbs in the pulpit and stuff like that, yeah. then you're not done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are not done. Yeah. That is not a sermon. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's an exegesis paper. Yeah. So what needs to happen next is that in order to take those deep exegetical theological truths is that you have to begin to uh, like, you know, help your people bridge the gap between the Word of God— and also their lives. Yeah. And I think that if if they know, okay, pastor's taking us to the 
you know, we're, hey, we're, we're going to slow down for a second mm-hmm. and we're going to work through some stuff. But I know that he's going to take us somewhere with this. And mm-hmm. there's a reason that he's doing this mm-hmm. and not just to flex his own intellectual muscles, not just to demonstrate that he has an MDiv or a, or a PhD right, right. or not just to demonstrate, oh, he, you know, he can handle the biblical languages. Hey, forget all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not really, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, forget all that in the pulpit. Like, do it in your study, but, like, the, the, what happens in the pulpit should be informed by all those things, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm-hmm. But then they ought to know that when we do this work, when we're trying to dig deep and understand something, there's going to be, you know, a, <laughs> I don't know, like a, a treasure at the end of this. Yeah. That's worth the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, and I, I even give folks a heads up. Okay, bear, bear with me now. Mm-hmm. You know, just give me two yeah. minutes because yeah. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. You yeah. know, I, yeah. I got I to get them encouraged to, to, to walk with me, okay? I'm uh-huh. going to say a three- and four-syllable <laughs> word, but I'm going to explain it to you. But there's, there's a reason I'm not just taking you through all this pain for nothing, you yeah. know? So uh, because there's something that's worth us taking those steps to get to that aha moment mm-hmm. where they're like, now— I can face tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, that's just, that's that's what I think we can do to um, sort of bridge the gap between okay, you know, uh, the 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 deep theological realities, uh, and, and not thinking people are, are are able to stick with them. We have to give them reason to think that it's worth sticking with them. Yeah, it's it's the old analogy that the that the preacher has his Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, um, and I guess that's that's irrelevant now because you know I don't know many people who still have newspapers but he's got his bible in one hand and maybe his his cell phone in the other or something like that his iPad in the other uh but the idea is he's 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 standing in between using Stott's uh the title of Stott's uh, his book on preaching we're we're standing between two worlds you know we're mm-hmm. right in between mm-hmm. two worlds and and we are the ones proclaiming that that heaven has something for earth, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and and also that earth can be reconciled to heaven, you know, that that you who are here on earth, you can be a part mm-hmm. of of the realities of heaven. And 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 heaven, you know, can be you know experienced here on earth, you know, in the in in and through the 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 work of Christ by his spirit. And so there's this sense in which we're we're uh we're not the ones bringing these worlds together. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. We're his his spokesperson, if you will. Mm-hmm. We're his mouthpiece proclaiming to the people this is the world that you actually live in. <laughs> this is the reality that you're that you're actually uh, that you're actually a part of. This is the stream that you're swimming in, mm-hmm. um, and and to help them to to see uh, reality as as it is. You know, Second Corinthians four. You know, of course, you know the God who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," has shown in our hearts. You know, so I'm able to see now the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and and there's a sense of um, of of uh, you know, of wonder. There's a sense of awe. There's this. There's this pleading that that we have. You know, to see this, see it, see His glory, see who He is, see see His beauty. Isn't He good? You know, hasn't He yeah. been there? But but the thing is, and to your point, this is where where I go, and I think that some of it may even be you know uh, steeped in our tradition. You know, uh, uh, just just it's you know we've got a long line of of of, of black preachers, you know, through the centuries that have done this is that, you know, I I want you to see 
not just who God is and what God is doing, but I want you to consider who he is for you and what he has done in your life. You know, so I've I've got to connect those dots, go, hey, you know how how those bills were paid and everything? Because the God that I'm talking about, (laughs) who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he's the one who provided for you. When you cried out to him, he answered in the time of need, you know, or or you know, uh you're you're struggling, you know, with with these addictions or struggling with sins and and all these Mm -hmm. different things. It's the one who rose from the dead who gave you the power, you know, to to do those things. So to connect the dots that it's like you're you know you are living in uh my father's world you know this world is his world and and so therefore the story that we're reading in scripture is not just something for back then but we're in this story and it's heading right where he said it's heading and kind of that eschatological you know hope that we have in there i want my people to have that hope mm-hmm. and i i want them to know him i want them to yeah, yeah. to sense that this is going somewhere yeah. uh and 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 yeah and to and to to, to get in on this you know certainly certainly <laughs> yeah yeah i i love you mentioned the african american uh preaching tradition i mm-hmm. love the the motif of the exodus Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a motif that really is an um, an orienting motif for a lot of the like the biblical data. I mean, every yeah. every tradition has their sort of motifs that they sort of uh, orient the whole of scripture because there's so much information there. How do you like what paradigm do you use to understand it? And in, in African American tradition, it's the Exodus. Yeah, and that's a very palpable experiential reality. Mm-hmm. But it's not experience for experience's sake. It's because we that experience is there because. God did it. Right, right. And so, uh, and even even thinking about salvation, they were saved from captivity. Mm-hmm. And then people even look at, in the tradition, look at Jesus saying, this is the ultimate s- saving work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That penal substitutionary reality yeah. is that which delivers us in a very tangible way from mm-hmm. uh, darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, and and really just sort of working these motifs that are so tangible, yeah. uh, you know, from from working from bottom up, you mm-hmm. know, like looking, getting down, looking around where your people are and seeing, well, what does God say to this stuff? Yeah. And that's why I often say, and hear me now, I often say our sermon prep begins before we enter our study. Mm-hmm. Because as we are walking alongside of folks, as we are hearing the challenges that they're working through as parents, as uh, children uh, of adult parents, of aging parents, of uh, as employees and things like that, we, we take all those things with us into our study as burdens that our people are bearing. Yeah. Uh, just because that sort of happens logically prior to our engagement with a specific text for preaching – doesn't mean that the, the the text is not authoritative over them. Mm-hmm. So we bring all those things into our study with us, the burdens of our people, and we're seeking God's face in the pages of Scripture saying, God, what do you have to say to all this? Yeah. This is so messed up. There's so much brokenness here. What are, like, what do you say mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. to all this stuff? What? How can I encourage the people, not just with some self-help mumbo-jumbo, these five steps to this or that, but what, how have you spoken yeah. to people in the scriptures? Because I need to speak to them because mm-hmm. I can't bring anything mm-hmm. that's going to encourage them besides your words. Yeah. And so that sort of a bottom up mentality, what's going on in my church, in mm-hmm. my people's lives, in the society in which we're trying to find ourselves, which is shot through 
uh, uh, with brokenness yeah. from sin that we understand and go back historically to Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And then so, okay, God, now, like, what say ye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all you do is go in the Scripture and you tell the people. Yeah. So this is this is how all that stuff, like, this is how God is making sense of all this. This is how he's mm-hmm. going to turn all this to rights. And even in the first question, you're talking about a theology of preaching. I told you I went through, uh, like, various loci, doctrine of preaching. I only got through theology proper, but because uh, I did Christology, ecclesiology, right. you know, I, I did all of those. But in my sort of exploration of eschatology uh-huh. is even saying, you know what, like, we are going to struggle now. Mm-hmm. But our struggle is not going to last always. Right, right. There will come a day when he's coming back. Mm-hmm. He he's not left us here alone forever. Yeah. You know all these things that we're we're trying to do right by our neighbor. We're trying to do right by you know in in our in our vocational spaces. We're trying to do all those things as a gesture towards what's to come. Yeah. Because one day he's coming back and he's going to fix all of this. Yeah. Last and final. Mm-hmm. And so that then should give the believer hope yeah. as well yeah. as, as we're sort of marching through this. And so, yes, yeah, start, start with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, because we're not, we're not, preaching is not delivering our exegetical paper as a presentation in our class. Yeah. You know, we, we have to do a little bit more than that to connect with the people in the pew. And that will then, I think, warm their hearts to more doctrinal preaching mm-hmm. uh, that emerges from the exegesis of the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for uh, one of the things I keep reminding myself and I keep reminding others too is that uh, John 3:16 for God so loved the world. And and you know, you're not supposed to amend scripture or anything like that. So bear with me, but 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 I, I like to say for God so loved this world. Mm-hmm. This world. This world. The world that we see on the news. Mm-hmm. You know, the world that we interact with day to day. You know, your your kitchen sink. <laughs> you know, uh, with the dishes and, and, and all that that need cleaned and everything. This world, this, you know, uh, uh, reality, mm-hmm. this is his reality. You know, this is the earth that he made. You know, when in Genesis 1-1, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the, and the earth. This earth <laughs> right here. And so the stuff that we're talking about, the society that we live in, the, the, the pains of this life, and all he's talking about this and so we have this sense of 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 false dichotomizing mm-hmm. you know uh things where where we say okay well we're going to talk about the spiritual stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and i think that's where you know uh in in our uh you know when talking about bringing theology into our preaching uh we can we can kind of get off of the rails because we're 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 dealing heavily in the abstract we're dealing heavily in um, in 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 the the theoretical and so on, and we're we're almost in reinforcing the false dichotomy mm-hmm. that this is the we're talking when we talk theology and everything we're talking about this stuff over there we're not talking about the stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when um, when we look at the scriptures, that dichotomy I mean the line between the two if there is a line it's really really blurry mm-hmm. you know yeah, <laughs> and it's certainly. really really thin um, because the stuff of theology is for this earth it's sure. for this life and yeah yeah go ahead yeah so as you're saying that you know I I often try to make my preaching um, more historical than sort of theoretical and mm-hmm. that so I'll, I'll explain that a little bit because the the Bible is telling the true story of the whole world, mm-hmm. and if I can see us as a people swept up into that narrative, mm-hmm. then the mm. 
sort of exegetical work uh, becomes more. Um, I don't want to say palatable, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, but but palatable for the for the layperson in the pew. They, mm-hmm. they understand why that work is being done. Yeah, you know, then then they're able to see. Oh, okay, so that that's how God works in His world. That's how this is how God has worked. This is what the Old Testament means. This is what was going on then. Okay, what does Christ do to that? And so, okay, how do we act now as a, the New Covenant people? And mm-hmm. so, the 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 those bits of theology they actually do matter, and our folks should have a framework for understanding the grand narrative of the Bible so that they can then see themselves as a participant yeah. in the furthering of that narrative and, and uh, waiting for that revelation moment when we are in the kingdom of heaven. So you're right. It is for this world. Mm-hmm. And I think if if we're able to, I mean, even uh, right now, I'm getting ready to have a conversation on the problem of evil mm-hmm. and even uh, working hard to take that question out of the uh, out of the ether of philosophical inquiry, yeah, yeah, and bringing it back into the biblical story. Well, his like in the story of in what we're seeing in the Bible, this is what we know to be true. Mm-hmm. Like God did not uh, make this world to be chuck full of sin. Mm-hmm. This is a lamentable reality yeah. of which we see every measure, including the uh, the incarnation of His Son mm-hmm. dying on the cross rising from the dead to be able to fix this. And now we're in this in-between time, you know? And yeah. so where where Christ has done what's necessary to fix it, and we're waiting for that to be, you know, fully experienced by those who are in Christ. And so taking it out of the sort of the, the free will theodicy and the greater good theodicy and bringing it back to the biblical story. So, like, that's the this-worldly mm-hmm. reality. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus came to this world. Yeah. You know, he loved this world so much that his presence was made manifest, mm-hmm. and he allowed those who he made to kill him. Yeah, yeah. But was now victorious because we know that God's plan, as it was in the beginning, is is what it will be in the end, mm-hmm. is that we are supposed to be with God Yeah, in a, a place where sin is no more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, I love this. I love this. So, so... So what are some ways that pastors can equip their members and and help them grow in their knowledge of theology? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um there, there's there's several avenues for this and we're and we're always trying to figure out how to make the best use of these at my own church. And mm-hmm. so uh so yes there is the pulpit, mm-hmm. but the pulpit is not the 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 first and last. It's a, it's central, but it's not the last thing. And so right. um you know, for us we teach a lot of ecclesiology in our new members classes. Mm. So uh, you know, asking, you know, what is membership? What is baptism? What's the supper? What's what? What, is, what does an elder or a mm-hmm. pastor do? What's a deacon do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the what's the church's purpose? We we're, we're doing a lot of we, we dump a truckload of theology <laughs> on every person who wants to be a new member at our church unashamedly, uh-huh. and so uh, and so that begins to be a framework even to build on as we are preaching and teaching the pulpit because we know that people who are committed to our church. They've walked through that, and so that, yeah. f- and then also when we do our covenant, our, our church covenant annual church covenant renewal, because everyone you're, you're a member at our church for a year, then you have to be a member at our church for another year, and so we we re up <laughs> those yeah. things that we taught in the membership classes every year, uh-huh. and so uh, you know, and also we have our members meetings where we talk about uh, different things, where we talk about we pray for our missionaries, we celebrate a lot at our members meetings. Uh, and then we talk about things like that are going on in the context where our, our missionaries are. We pray specifically for them. And so a lot of times we'll end up th- talking about, you know, folks who are in places where spiritual warfare is in the front 
in their front door. Mm. There's witch doctors outside their door mm-hmm. down the street, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in their village. And so we take a, a moment there to, to teach about those things, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, well, what, what, what's, what's happening here biblically? And so, you know, in, in those celebratory moments, we even take quick snippets to give like a two-and-a-half, five-minute sort of theology lesson to sort of continue to equip the saints to understand what they're seeing in the world. Yeah. Um, and then we have like what other churches have, like discipleship classes or uh, something like that. So we have, you know, our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, we have our small groups that are very communally based. And then we have like on win- or on, on uh, Sunday night, you know, we have, hey, come back and you can take, you know, either like a, a Bible study led by our elders or those who are like, you know, um, in the pipeline for being sent out as church planners and missionaries mm-hmm. and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could take sort of topically based uh, exegetical engagements with um, like, for example, we had we had one last semester on parenting um, this this semester on marriage. We had one last semester on, okay, so now what, what, how do we engage the sort of abortion conversation with this new state of affairs? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, ha- okay, let's, de- let's dive deep into that. And so, um, you know, so, so we have those moments as um, opportunities to, be a, to begin to teach folks. And I would, I would just encourage you out there to take every opportunity captive that you have mm-hmm. for this because our people, more so than ever, because of the rise of the smartphone and the earbuds and, and all that, AirPods and everything, they have more access to lots and lots and lots of information, yeah. and everyone's trying to teach them something. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if you think that your 35 to, depending on who our 50-minute sermon <laughs> is going to cut the mustard mm-hmm. uh, up against all that sort of, um, that, that just uh, deluge of information, if that's the right way to say that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, then, you know, then we got, we got to guess again. Mm-hmm. So these other opportunities to, uh, to equip our members to grow in their understanding of theology are, are essential for us. So be very strategic with those things as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some good uh, uh, resources? Uh, you've got pastors that are, that are maybe feeling, you know, I, I mm-hmm. don't know if I'm the best to be dipping in dipping into theology and all of that i wasn't i wasn't trained theologically yeah, you know yeah. or or anything like that what are some resources that that would be of a good help for them mm-hmm. you know i i i love the zondervan counterpoint series mm-hmm. I, I i come back to it over and over again if you're in the text and something and an issue comes up that you know there's been a lot of like different positions developed it on it over time people are always fighting about it and you're like well i just can't clearly articulate what the different positions are those counterpoint series, the books in the counterpoint series are very, very helpful for that. They have people who um, who hold those positions, who are going to argue for them, and then they'll have interlocutors sort of respond to different mm-hmm. positions. So it's a great setup, yeah. and, and I just found them very helpful um, as, as someone who's trying to get my mind around that stuff. And will all that show up in your preaching? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but at least you'll be able to speak from the knowledge of those or even give like a sentence summary of each of those different positions. And so say, so, hey, people have, you know, people who love the Lord uh, and who are faithful to his word, love the scripture, love Christ. They, some have thought this, some have thought this, but this is kind of where I land. And so here, here we go. Yeah. And so it's just like, I think the Zondering Counterpoint series is very good for that. Yeah, yeah. And then you might even have like a discipleship class or some of the class that sort of mm-hmm. delves deeper into those. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as another theology text, uh, Charles Octavius Booth's Plain Theology for Plain People. I, I've been talking about this one for years. Yep. It is a, a wonderful theology that's beautifully written, uh, published in 1890. Uh, and it just gives a really scripture-heavy 
explanation of what the different doctrines that we talk about in the Christian faith. And so um, the so it's a great text in and of itself as yeah. just the written words in the page, but the story behind it is also fascinating as well in that it was uh, written by a man who was a former slave, mm-hmm. and um, and but but he's a, a wonderful minister of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that's Charles Octavius Booth's Plain Theology for Plain People. Yeah. Another more contemporary resource that is, um, it's it's an, an appropriate level of rigor for mm-hmm. like a pastor who's going to preach to people uh, is Christopher Morgan's Christian Theology, mm-hmm. and the subtitle is the Biblical Story of Our Faith. Yeah. That's a great theology text for preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think he does well is he gives a very helpful and thorough explanation, but he doesn't get down into the weeds of all the bantering back and forth that the theologians are known for. And so that's a really, really good contemporary resource. I think it was released maybe two years ago at the most. Okay. And so um, Christopher Morgan, he's just a fantastic theologian. Yeah. And if you want to geek out a little bit, uh, you know, this is uh, Kevin Van Hooser's Drama of, Do- Drama of Doctrine. Uh-huh. Um, he helps us try to move theology from being these stale ideas that we store and stack and put on shelves, as Dallas Willard would say, but really sort of knocking the shelf over and making theology sort of something that helps you with daily life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you want to get really sort of thick into theology, that's a good one. But it's for the purpose of keeping your doctrinal, keeping your reason for pursuing doctrinal Clarity, specificity, and rigor to be not just to demonstrate your intellectual prowess or to have this wonderful thing, this doctrine that you've buffed and polished and spent all this time formulating and put it up on the shelf and just go, hey, doesn't that look good? Mm-hmm. Uh, to which I would say, that's useless. Yeah. We got to get these, this, our theology boots on the ground. And I think uh, if, you, if you're willing to slog through that bad boy, uh, I, I call it the great pumpkin because it's this. <laughs> gigantic orange book, um, then, then then that's a book that you might want to to engage. Yeah, I love it. I love it. The Great Pumpkin. I think I'm going to be calling Van Ho- almost all of Van Hooser's books uh, The Great Pumpkin, if in the sense of, you know, I, I'm, 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 I think I've got it, but no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Have- <laughs> so, but I love it. Any final words of encouragement uh, for our, our, our pastors and listeners out there? Yeah, so uh, don't grow weary in well-doing. You know, the be faithful, press into the scriptures. There's a well of nourishment for you um, to, to, to not just make a feast for others, but to feast on it yourselves. Mm. And um, I, I know there's a lot of folks out there who are dejected, who are tired, who are looking for a, a cold drink of water, and, but we, we actually have it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have the living water. Yeah. And... Um, I, I wish I could just shout that from a thousand pulpits and yeah. podcasts and things like that to the minister who's just tired. Like we we have the the Lord Jesus. Mm. We were indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tap into that. I know a bunch of Baptists are listening. We don't do the Spirit well, but tap into the Holy Spirit, y'all. This yeah. is that's good stuff. <laughs> we have the Word of God, um, and then we have the people of God. And so um, you know, be be encouraged. Uh, press into those things for the own for the longevity of your own ministry. Uh, I just encourage you with that. Yeah, Dr. Strickland, thank you for taking time to join the conversation today. It's it's such a joy uh, to to walk shoulder to shoulder with you here at Southeastern. I appreciate you for having me. Yeah.
And I want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you enjoyed today's episode, why don't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review? Uh, We'd love to hear any feedback that you're willing to give. As always, it's our mission here at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that today with this conversation. And so finally, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.